This is Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. Exciting show today. Coach John Moore, the basketball coach for the last 27 years, recently retired at Westmont College is with us. John's just a wonderful man. Uh, he's lived a great life, has some great insights. Uh, so stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss it. John Moore on Good Life coming up next. Hi, this is Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. I have a special guest today. Coach John Moore is with me. He, uh, Coach Moore has been at Westmont College for 26 years, 27 years. Um, he's, he's just left the head coaching position, but he's staying on at the college as a professor and associate athletic director. He's been a friend of mine. In fact, we got to Westmont in a way in the same year, 1993. That's when I arrived. Yeah. Little fanfare. Uh, <laughs> when you came back to be the head coach at your alma mater after Fresno Pacific and so forth. So I feel like a little connection. Yeah, we to graduated together. <laughs> right, right. You but stayed, stayed a little longer it took me than a little I did. Here to graduate. <laughs> right. Coach Moore had over 32 years in, in, as a head coach. He had 637 wins. He's he was the national coach of the year this year for the NAI, which I believe is the first time that's ever happened in Westmont history. Uh, the team was top ranked this year. Didn't get to have a tournament because of COVID-19. So bizarre, kind of crazy circumstances to end on. And, and maybe we'll start there. How did you handle that with the team? Well, I'm on this NABC board, board yep. of directors. Right. And I'm the only NAI coach on there. And the day it was announced, we had a board call at 8 o'clock in the morning. And Mike Bray, the Notre Dame coach, who's the president of the NABC board this year, just went off. Um, he said, hey, I'm going to my shoot-around. And he was, Notre Dame's in the Big East. And he said, hey, hope the board call goes well, but I'm going to my shoot-around, as though the tournament was still on. And we talked about it. We got to the end of the call, hour call, and it seemed like full speed ahead. An hour and a half later, I get an email from the president of the NAI, Jim Carr, saying the tournament has been canceled. My longest walk ever up to Westmont. We live on Chelham Way. It's a walk up to the college. And when I got there, Jeff Azen had already rallied the troops. And so Coach Boucher, Coach Goodrow, Jeff, and the whole team was there. And times have changed, Dean. They all already knew. Well, so you can imagine, you can imagine what social, social media can <laughs> right. do right. for you. And right. uh, I thought I was going to surprise them, but there was no surprise to be, to be had because you could tell that they knew the puffy cheeks and the teary-eyed and so we sat in the room and we we cried and said it can't be so and then we went out that afternoon and we had a practice really we decided to have a practice anyway and we had a really enjoyable time together and uh that was my last practice at uh westmont college and it was their last practice for this past year at least and uh so it was nostalgic and uh, sad at the same time. Wow. Yeah. And you were the coach of the year, and you were heading into the tournament as a two-seat? We were. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. And it was a team that uh, we were finally completely healthy. Everybody was back. We had practiced for about a week with everybody in tow, and uh, it felt like we were finally back to where we had been earlier in the year with everybody healthy again. And so... 
we liked our chances. We yeah. really liked our chances, oh. and uh, and I don't say that very often, uh, but we did like our chances. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, um, God is still good. Still good. Yeah, still good. But that's that's got to be a huge disappointment. Yep. You got to Westmont. You were not a believer. You came for two years. Were you re- at Cyprus? Chapman? Was at Cypress Cyprus College. Okay. Yep. And you transferred in, recruited by Chet Cammer. And you talked about you and Chet Cammer one time took a drive to Angel Stadium to watch a game and hang out with a recruit. And on the drive, he said, if I gave you a book called Mere Christianity, would you read it? And you said that book's been with you since. Yeah. Talk about what happened with your faith journey at Westmont, after Westmont, and kind of that journey for you. Yeah. Well, here's a little caveat. He said, hey, if I give you a book, will you read it? And I said, sure. <laughs> Before he gave you the title? <laughs> and then he said, <laughs> it was mere Christianity. And I was not a believer at the time. But my respect for Chet, my respect for my teammates, encouraged me to, to do that. So I came into Westmont a non-believer, and people prayed me into the kingdom. People wow. like Chet Cammer, Mark Miller, whose three sons I've had the privilege to coach. One of them works with your brother, yep. uh, Johnny. Johnny Miller does. And uh, so I read that book more out of respect for Chet than interest in the topic. And that changed my life. In fact, I have it. I wake up every morning and I read Proverbs and I read Right now I'm in Matthew and I have Mere Christianity right there. Those are my three staples with my bran flakes and my uh, oatmeal flakes. Yeah. Coffee? No coffee? I'm not a coffee drinker. Not a coffee no. Drinker. In fact, I've got three people in the house who are coffee drinkers and <laughs> I'd be competing for, them, for their coffee if I was a coffee drinker. But I have no interest in coffee at all. Never have. Love the smell, hate the taste. Yeah. But it, that was my f- faith journey. It began uh, right about that time, came to faith. Uh, right after my senior year at Westmont. And, uh, and then I wanted to come back more than anything to be able to recruit people who were like me, mm. people without faith or people struggling in their faith or people who have deep faith. And uh, I, I recruited all three of those quite heavily. And, and that, uh, that was kind of my approach, that I wanted people who were interested in being ministered to. I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted our players to be missionaries. And I wanted people who were, were seeking to find more depth in their life. And that's what I got to do yeah. in the context of basketball. Yeah. And one of the guys I got to coach was your, your brother, Johnny. Oh, yeah, and what a privilege. Yeah, good. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you were known, in fact, I know this firsthand because I've played intramural, I think, a couple times against you. <laughs> and you, you're, you were tough. I mean, you, you were known as a tough, gritty competitor as a player and as a coach. Um, I used to sit across in the front row from you. Do you remember, by the way, do you remember our thing called the coaching staff? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, <laughs> so for the viewers who don't know, we would, 10 of us, dress up like Coach Moore, suit and tie, <laughs> And we would have clipboards, and we'd be in the front row directly across from the coach. And I was kind of the ringleader, probably. (laughs) No doubt. I probably matured. I hope I matured since then, maybe a little. Um, But I'd work the refs up and down. (laughs) As as coaches working the refs, uh, we're over there working the refs back and forth. So that was a double double team. Yeah, we're double teaming the refs. And the refs kind of go, what are these guys? What are they doing? Um, But you you had so you had this tough 
reputation. And I read something that you said in terms of, you know, tough player, gritty, hard nose, and then you brought the Princeton offense, which was a revolutionary thing for Westmont and changed, I think, everything from my perspective as I saw that come into play, which is incredible to watch. But he said something. He said, you don't have a philosophy of coaching until you get to 15 years as a head coach. He said, I discounted that idea originally, but but then at that point in the 15-year range, I realized that I had a philosophy of coaching that makes it more meaningful and more meaningful for my players. Mm-hmm. What is that philosophy? Yeah. How, how would you describe that? Well, I'm going to go back to something you said earlier. When you say tough, gritty about a player, that usually means they're unskilled. And so that's what I was. I was tough <laughs> and I was gritty because I was less skilled than the I next guy. That. No, I know you didn't, but I, I, I know what the... Uh, what the back end meaning of that is, uh, at least for me it was. And uh, I was just fortunate enough to play for great coaches. I want to go back to my Cypress coach. He was John Wooden's first All-American. And so there was a connection to John Wooden through Don Johnson. And uh, Don Johnson was one of my favorite men in the world. And I, and I was one of his favorites as well. He just passed away about a year and a half ago. And I got to speak at his memorial. And that was an incredible privilege. And then you go from Don Johnson John Wooden and Don Johnson to Chet Cammer. I couldn't have had two better college coaches than the two, two that I had. And Chet care, cared deeply for my soul, and Don cared for me as a person. And he, he was a Renaissance man, Don was. And Chet was just born and bred Indiana Hoosier with goodness deep in his heart. And he wanted me to experience his Savior. And he he prayed me into a space where uh, he was able to kind of encourage me to look at the kingdom in a little deeper way than I ever had. And so that was the difference maker. Back to your question about philosophy. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> so my philosophy in that first 15 years or first 10 years at Westmont, I was five years elsewhere at Fresno Pacific. My philosophy was we want to play an aggressive brand of basketball. We want to play aggressive defensively. We want to play aggressive offensively. And then we talk a lot about that. But now my philosophy comes down to one sentence. And I think it says everything about what Westmont was about, at least when I was there, trying to, trying to be about. We want every single basket to come via the assist. Hmm. And that you've never seen. You've never seen a box score. High school, college, NBA, where every single basket has come via the assist. About four or five years ago, we had 50 baskets in a game. We had 44 assists. of the baskets came via assist. When we lost the national championship game in 2015, we had one game where we were within three or four of assists to total baskets. And what what that means is you're sharing the ball. You're you're really kind of sharing the ball in a way where, where everybody gets credit. And so our guys get giddy on the bench when they see a guy passing the ball to another guy for a basket. They jump up and down, not for the dunk, uh, but for the extra pass, for the pass that leads to a basket. And wow. I think that's symbolic of, uh, of how best to lead in a family situation, in raising kids. If you have the ball being passed, then you're sharing it and you have mm-hmm. a chance to not be egotistical. And uh, you mentioned a word earlier, I think maybe it was before, the, oh no, it was John, John Davies said, said this earlier about listening. You know, listening is about passing. 
-hmm. because listening is you have to kind of open up your ears to what the other person has to say. In passing, you have to be more interested in what the other person can do than what you do right. alone. And uh, you get a little bit of credit with an assist, but uh, you don't get the same kind of accolades that you do with a basket. And so I love the pass. I love what the pass means. And so our philosophy is we want every single basket to come via the assist. And if you have that mentality as a framework, then your culture changes pretty dramatically. Yeah. That's amazing. That's interesting. And I happen to know you had 422 assists ranked number four all time, and you did it in two seasons. That's, so you passed the ball fair amount. Like I yeah. said, because I couldn't shoot the ball, I had to pass the ball. I had to find a way to, to be important. Yeah. Yeah, see, as a basketball player, I was short, but I was slow. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I had the lateral mobility of an oak tree, yeah. so that didn't really work out for me, but I digress. Coach, if you were talking to, and, and you're on the national board with John Calipari and all these heavy hitters and but I guess my one of my thoughts this morning was if you were talking to a young coach or somebody who was interested in coaching and felt like that was part of their gifting um, what is the opportunity for a coach yeah. what is the biggest opportunity for a coach so I I speak at these events and uh, I'll be talking about whatever the topic may be and there's always a young kid coach in the crowd and he'll raise his hand at halfway through maybe and say coach how come they're not built the way we were in our time and this guy's 25 and I'm you know a little bit older <laughs> and I said what do you mean by that and he goes well they just don't do the th kinds of things that we did and I said well Here's a message for you. You're not going to like hearing what I'm about to tell you. If they're not like how you want them to be, that's not on them. That is on you. Mm. So you have to find a way to teach and to coach and to bring them along to the space that they, they need to get to. And we've never been at a perfect place. We'll never get to a perfect place. But we are further and closer to that perfect place than we ever have been because of parents, because of coaches, and because of teachers we've had. So I say back to that young coach, your work is yet to be done. Mm. So make sure that you, so I was on a call earlier today with a bunch of younger coaches and a Zoom call and uh, they were talking back and forth and I didn't say a word until one of the coaches said, well, let's hear from Coach Moore. And they were talking about connectedness. And he said, the, way, the best way to be connected to others is to be more about listening than about talking. And that is all about humility. My favorite chapter in that book you spoke about earlier, Mere Christianity, is this chapter number eight on, hu on humility. Hmm. And if you, if you can only read one chapter in, in Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, read that chapter because it will take you to your knees and it'll take you to a place where you realize how important it is to understand others than thinking about what it is to be understood by somebody else. So yeah, I just seek good. out ways in which I can listen more effectively and be a, a little bit uh, more understanding of others and I think that's what I would suggest to a young coach. Make mm -hmm. it more about them than it is about you. That's good. That's really that's so good. I, I'm going to ask you about a, a bunch of different people but, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you about one kind of a rival coach, Dave Holmquist. 
who, who I thought it was really honoring what he said about you when mm. when you retired. He said uh, he quoted Bear Bryant, I think, but he said Coach Moore is the kind of guy he can take his players and beat yours, or he can take your players and beat his. <laughs> I thought that's a pretty high honor. Yeah, you nice. got you you had a lot of battles with Dave Holmquist over the years. What was that like? And 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 and, and Bill O'Dell and I, I know there's been a lot of coaches that yeah. have kind of been around a long time and. What, what are those relationships like? I'm, I'm curious. Well, let's go to Dave Holmquist to start with. And what you don't know is Dave recruited me. Oh, he did? So he was at Fresno Pacific. I, was at, uh, I wasn't anywhere. I was at Cypress College. And he was a Cypress College guy. So he played for Don Johnson oh. as well. So we had a really strong connection. And, uh, and the day I called Chet, I called Chet first to let him know I was coming to Westmont. Because I knew if I had tried to call Dave first, he would try to convince me otherwise. <laughs> so I called Chet, and then I called Dave, and I teared up. In fact, I probably more than just teared up. I cried when I told Dave that I wasn't coming to play for him. So he's been a friend for 40-some years. Wow. And we've had a great rivalry, but more importantly, we have uh, an incredible amount of respect for, for one another. And I bet if you were to kind of check our records against one another, I bet it's almost 500. Yeah, right. I, bet it, I bet if you were to kind of look back at that, I bet we're right there 500 against one another. And Dave's eight wins away from 1,000. He's eight Is wins he really? away from 1,000 victories. And uh, he's one of the finest coaches, but he's also one of the greatest men I've ever been around. That's and so, great. dear friend, was recruited by him but also a guy who just, I think he's got two PhDs, maybe a third, he's got three or four master's degrees, just an incredible renaissance man in a really important way. And we talk, you know, two or three times a week. Do you really? I mean, he says you're the greatest coach he ever coached against, which is a high compliment from him. I I saw him at Bonds like six months ago, and I've never met him, but I'm just looking at He probably wondered if I was stalking him or what. I'm like, (laughs) I think that's Dave Holmquist. Uh, so you feel you must feel like you won the lottery in terms of Don Johnson, Dave Holmquist, Chet Cammer. Of course, you married into the Lavin family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've had quite a circle. Yeah. That's probably had a big impact on you. Just all these Cap Lavin and mm-hmm. all these people that have been in your life, basketball people, but deep character people, yeah. amazing people. Yeah. Would you say? Well, you mentioned my father-in-law, Cap, and, and Cap is—he's the epitome of. You know that Dos Equis commercial, the most interesting right. man in the world? <laughs> right. They got it wrong. <laughs> it wasn't him. It was Cap Lavin. <laughs> and Cap Lavin was, you know, the first guy invited by the Harlem, maybe the only guy at that in that era, invited by the Harlem Globetrotters to be a part of their team. Not the Washington Generals, but the Harlem Globetrotters. Really? And, you know, here's this guy being <laughs> yeah. invited in the 50s, and that tells you the kind of uh, ability he had uh, to to play the game of basketball. And he was a Hall of Famer in San Francisco, Hall of Famer at USF, could have played professionally, but back in the early 50s, playing professionally wasn't what it is today in the NBA. And Cap's just one of the all-time greats. But the greatest coach I've ever been coached by is my wife. Hmm. Not even close, not even close. As good as Don was, as good as Chet was, as good as Dave Holmquist is, as good as Cap Lavin is, my wife is the greatest coach I've ever been around. That is wonderful. And oh. she was the eldest of six kids, and Steve Lavin's the youngest of six, so she had to oh, coach, really? coach Steve, and she had to coach her siblings, and she 
then got stuck with coaching somebody even harder than her siblings, and that's me. <laughs> and she coaches me up every single day, even today. She gave me a haircut before I came. Oh. I hadn't had a haircut <laughs> in 10 weeks, and so I was more presentable for the Dean Wilson Show. I know it's not the Dean Wilson Show, but I that's call it the great. Dean Wilson Show. Oh, and uh, So, yes, I did hit the lottery. Yeah. I hit the lottery when I walked down the aisle, and, uh, and I got a chance to see my wife walk towards me. And... Uh, 30 years of marriage as of September, September 15th, and uh, greatest coach I've ever known. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you, what is your vision or what is your thought process? I know this transition's happening with, with you and stepping out of the head coaching, which is going to be weird for me <laughs> among others, but we're, we're trying to get over it. Um, what, what is your vision as you think about the next, you know, 10 years and, Westmont, your family. I know you have two wonderful daughters. Um, what is it? What does it look like? Not that you have it all planned out, but what is your vision for this season, this yeah. next season? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. God has something planned for me. So the head of the NABC board is a guy named Jim Haney, and Jim Haney was the head coach at Oregon, and he's been the uh, the president, uh, the executive director of the NABC for the last 20 years or so. Great man, a little over 20 years, I think it is. And so when I was preparing to make the announcement, I, I gave Jim a call on the phone. And he said, John, I woke up this morning early knew, knowing I was going to have this 10 o'clock call with you. And God just kept speaking to me. And here's what he said. And Jim said about 10 things in a row. And after each one, saith the Lord, saith the Lord, saith the Lord. 10 straight really? times. And then he goes, and here's <coughs> the last important message. Really important message for you, John. Do not run into anything. Hmm. Wait. Hmm. And that's what I've been doing for the last 10 weeks. And I'm going to be waiting for a good while longer because I think there is something in store, something yet to be done, something God that ha has has for me that he's going to put out to me on a platter, yep. um, and we'll find out what that is. Yeah. But it is something that I would not have been allowed to do if I'd still been coaching for the next, right. next few years. And so I, I know that there is something in store, and I can't wait to see what it is. I, I can't yeah. wait to see it either. Yeah. You're an incredible writer. Mm. So I don't know if that's on the <laughs> list, but I think you should write. Yeah. Every time I get one, I, I responded back to you. You never respond back to me when I respond <laughs> back to you, by the way. Kind of offended by that. But, <laughs> I'm um, sorry. <laughs> but the, 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 the letter you sent out to the coaches circle after your announcement was so powerful. So I don't know if the Lord has writing in store, but I'd read it. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I've, I, uh, I think there may be some possibilities there. And, uh, and I, on that last coach's circle, I don't think I've responded to anyone, Dean. So you're in good company. You're in good company. I, uh, it's been a last, you know, last 10 weeks have been a time in which uh, I've been celebrated by a lot of people. And what you wrote to me was just, uh, you know, so, so sweet to, to get that from you. But uh, it's, it's a little bit like too much cake. Right. You know, too much ice cream, too much <laughs> celebration. You start to wonder whether that's really you they're talking about. And, and so, so I think you have to be careful. And I haven't responded to quite a number of people just because I'm 
I'm taking it in and yeah. I'm going to find a time in which to do that in the most present of ways and the most sincere of ways as well. And I do love writing. My mom was a great writer. Cappy Lavin was really? a great writer. My daughter, Jessie, is an unbelievable writer. She'll write a book before I will uh, because she's gifted in that way. And I have a daughter by the name of Jacqueline who's uh, a great speaker. And so I've got wow. a great writer in one, I've got a great speaker in another. Back to the man who is Dos Equis commercial, but it's really Cap Lavin. There are interesting people in the world, Dean, and those are the great storytellers. There are interested people in the world that are the great listeners. Very few people are both. Mm. But Cap Lavin is one. Wow. He's a great storyteller. He was a great listener. My daughter Jacqueline is a great storyteller. She's a great listener. Steve Lavin was a great storyteller, is a great storyteller, and is a great listener. And that's why he's the best. If he gets back into Division One coaching almost every year, he's the top recruiter, the number one recruiting class in the year is, is Steve Lavin's. He is yeah. very, very gifted. Wow. What a family. So that's wonderful. I, I want to close with, we only have a few minutes, but I'm going to just give you a name. This will be a little lightning round. Okay, I'll give yeah. you a name and give me a few sentences or whatever yeah. about about the, about the person. Um, some of these are former players. Some of them are, are other categories. Brian Gomes. Maybe best ever. Yeah. yeah. And today, a dear friend. We just uh, texted back and forth a couple of days ago. I sent him a picture of my daughter making me lunch. And his son is Drew, and his uh, daughter is, I'll think of her name, Camille. And he, she goes by Mimi, I think, or Melia, I think is what he calls her. And he said, I got to teach them how to make, make me lunch. <laughs> so uh, you sent him a picture? I sent him a picture <laughs> of Jacqueline making me lunch. And he goes, I got to get my five and seven-year-old or four and six-year-old or whatever they Trained. are. Trained. So it's a little early, a little early. Daniel Carlin. Well, I just got a text <coughs> this morning from Daniel. And, uh, you know, the sad story about Daniel is that uh, I think we would have won a national championship if Daniel had been healthy for that last game. And uh, Daniel and I sat in the hospital together after uh, after we lost that game. And, and it was uh, such a tenuous circumstance. And that's our memory. That's one of our fondest memories is sitting in the hospital together helping him uh, get to the other side. Wow. And he's a dear, he's another very dear friend of mine today. Chris Clark. Gosh, you're picking out some great ones. <laughs> Chris, I, I would say what I love most about Chris is how much he grew up during the time. Mm -hmm. He came in with a group of guys who were already had been freshmen together. Adrian Phillips, Mitch Pierce, Ryan Tillery, Will Gully. Um, those are all guys who came in together. And Chris came in as a sophomore. But he acclimated to those guys. That's one of the tightest group of players I've ever had. And it's because those other four guys really welcomed Chris well. And then mm -hmm. Chris, Chris just kind of fit in well. One of the greatest scorers, scorers I've ever had. Score. He was a big time What scorer. about Adrian Phillips? AP was uh, All-time steals leader. Yeah, all-time steals leader. But AP was an unbelievable leader right away. He was a great leader as a freshman and then just got better each year along the way. And so it culminated with a phenomenal uh, career. Three out of four years, they made it to the national tournament. Probably the best game Westmont's ever played at the national tournament was AP's junior year, and we beat a team that was quite good. And Adrian had a phenomenal game, and so did Mitch and Till and, and Will Goley as well. But, uh, wow. yeah. Joe Kearns. Yeah, Joe. 
Well, we share something, which is we're lefties. Right. And uh, I had really long hair, right. and he had really long hair. And uh, no, Joe's one of my all-time favorites just because he cared so much, mm -hmm. and he was a great defender. He talked about getting to people's grills. And, uh, and then since then, I think what, what Joe cares so much about is the families of the people who work for him. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to get him more involved in some things we were doing in uh, Westmont basketball. And he said, I'll only do it if I can continue to support all the families that it can't get in the way of my job mm -hmm. because my priority is to make sure that there's food on the table and that the people who work for me can be as successful as possible. That's, That's so a, everything in so the world wonderful. about Joe. To so me. wonderful. Dr. David Winter. Oh, gosh. He's my, he's my president. He's my president. He's a president that I came to Westmont with. He's a president that, uh, that I got a chance to come back to Westmont with. Mm. He called me on the phone. I was in the kitchen. Rachel picked the phone up back in the day when there were things called a landline. <laughs> and uh, Rachel handed me the phone. It's Dr. Winter. And he said to me, uh, I want to offer you the job back at Westmont. And I'll remember where I was in Hieronymus Lounge when uh, I came back and they did a huge uh, press conference. Uh, and I remember exactly where David was and what he said to me uh, to make me feel as though I was coming back to the greatest job ever. And I was, I was. And uh, that, that springtime as I came back, I was driving between Fresno and, and Westmont. I was staying on campus and I would walk through the formal gardens and I would pray this prayer never allow me to take this for granted. Yeah. And I continue to pray, pray that even on this day, on these, in these days. And, but I always will go by the statue of David and Helene and I'll put my hand on one of their shoulders and put my uh, other hand on the other shoulder just because I'm so devoted to and committed to their standards of what, what they brought to Westmont. Helene and Dave right. is who I'm talking about and Helene, uh, to this day is uh, one of my favorite people in this town and uh, um, so they it's not just uh, David it's David and Helene yeah. and Helene and David yeah. that's wonderful my my little brother Johnny yeah. he's not little anymore <laughs> no. my big brother younger brother yeah <laughs> what was he like well what Johnny did I knew Johnny when he was well you would bring Johnny to early morning hoops right and for those who don't know Dean and I uh, used to play 6 a.m. basketball together and then Dean brought Johnny and Johnny was 12 13 yeah, somewhere yeah. there yep. 12 13 14 and he was about as confident a 12 year old amongst men playing amongst men and that's who Johnny is I think Johnny's a very confident young man yeah. and he was confident as a player but he's more confident as a leader mm. and I think Johnny became captain his senior year because of the leader that he is right. and we were really good his senior year and we went to the national tournament his senior year hadn't been for a few years before that and so johnny and sant and yep. and the, that group of guys they they took us to the national tournament but it was johnny's leadership that really made us the kind of team that we were uh, i love it jeff hazen the best yeah. he's the best He and I have been together for 27 years. Jeff could have been a head coach 
ten times over. In fact, he, if he had stepped into my role, he would have done it better than, than I did. And I'm not being falsely humble. I really, really believe that to be, to be true, which tells you the kind of sacrifice he was willing to make mm. for all those years. And um, he's just the best. And he's the best in so many, so many different ways. I mean, he, he was an assistant under Chet Cameron, was an assistant under Jeff Crosby, was an assistant under me for 27 years. He's going to continue on with Landon Boucher. You know, I can talk all I want about humility. Jeff Azen lives it out. Wow. He lives it out that in how so willing he is to serve and how loyal he is to Westmont basketball and how wanting he is for players to have the best experience possible. Mm, yeah. And I, if I had a little more time, I'd tell a story that Johnny told about, uh, about Jeff. In fact, I'm going to take a little more time. Go ahead. Johnny said when he came in as a freshman, all the seniors were just bragging about Ace. And he said sophomore year, freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, he said, what's the big deal about Ace? What's the big deal about A's? Then he got to his senior year, and he realized A's was waiting. He wasn't allowing people to have a piece of himself until they had paid their dues. <laughs> and by the time Johnny got to his senior year, he had paid his dues. And he realized how valuable it was to have a piece of A's. Wow. Because A's had saved himself for when Johnny finally earned the right yeah. to have a piece of Jeff Azen. Oh, that's and so, good. so Ace is uh, loyal to the hilt, and uh, I think Johnny knows, you know, what that means, and I think we all know what that means. But uh, the best, he's yeah. the best. Well, we we got to close. We're out of time, but I, um, I want to encourage people who are watching, um, since it's not a surprise. But we're going to honor Coach Moore at our December event, um, Legacy of Service event. The Rosewood Miramar on December 15th. We've got a couple other names coming that we're going to announce. Um, but we just, we wanted, we thought of you, Coach, and mm -hmm. you've had an impact on the community and these players' lives that goes on and on. Um, just a guy like me was just a random student, mm -hmm. but I just always liked you, loved mm -hmm. you, looked up to you. I feel like you're pastoral in a sense mm -hmm. in the community. I feel like you're, so you're just, you're just wonderful. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just want to honor you. Thank you for your, your years. And I look forward to seeing what's next and what God shows you. So thanks for coming on. Well, this has been an honor to be with you and to receive that award. I love this city. I love the Turner Foundation. I love what you did on the west side. And I'd go over there and visit you on the west side. Yeah. And, uh, and I love Westmont. I love our college. And it is our college because we share it in the uh, same, uh, it's our alma mater. And, and so I, I, I think the best is yet to come, Dean. Yeah. The best is yet to come for, uh, for Westmont. The best is yet to come for Westmont basketball. I can't wait to see what Landon does in the way of uh, the, the cupboard is full. And I can't wait to see what uh, next year brings for him and for Rob and for, for A's. But uh, I think the best is yet to come uh, for me as well. And I can't yeah. wait to see what God has in store for yeah, me. And, I believe uh, that. But what a privilege it is to be here. And thanks for allowing me to spend some time with you in this wonderful backyard. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thanks, John. Yeah. Appreciate it. We'll see you next time. <laughs>